<clears throat> Jeremy, thank you for that <clears throat> special. I had not heard that song since Clarence Clark sang that <clears throat> years ago. And uh, love Clarence Clark. He was a rancher that was a member of our church, actually helped, uh, was one of the uh, first members of Platte Valley Baptist Church, and and uh, what a what a what a story! I mean that that man cowboyed and and took his saddle, jumped on a train, and went to Elko, Nevada. Got off at Elko, Nevada. Walked downtown to the burn barrel where all the cowboys were meeting, and and there he found a job and started. Uh, chasing cows out in the middle of Nevada. He worked for some light and power company, uh, which ranged from Nevada all the way, uh, I mean, all over, it was in Nevada and Wyoming and uh, some of Idaho, and and uh, told me that he was able to chase wild Mustangs back when they were really wild, and and uh, then he joined the Marine Corps, and uh, while he's in the Marine Corps, was a true hero, I believe, in Marines and was in World War II, was in three invasions in World War II, and there he learned how to drive a bulldozer and, and uh, cleared roads for those uh, for our military guys and, and uh, got out of that, came back and, and was ranching and then was able to buy the, the ranch just uh, north of here and, and uh, worked for the oil fields and ran that bulldozer and leveled a lot of areas for the, for the oil rigs to go in and and then when he was in his 50s, he heard the gospel and he trusted Christ as his Savior. And I, I just love remembering the stories that Clarence would tell. And, and he said, you know, he said, I got saved. And he said, the Lord started convicting me that I needed to quit smoking. If my body was a temple of God, then I just didn't need to be doing that. And he said, I it was just kind of the mentality. He said, I just took that pack of cigarettes and I rolled them up into my t-shirt sleeve and I just dared myself to smoke one he said about a week and a half later he said I took them out and threw them away he said I didn't need them never did smoke another cigarette but then he looks me in the eye and he says but giving up scotch was another battle <laughs> and uh, he told me boy did I struggle with that but he said God took it away and he said not only did I get saved but he said that and, and Clarence always played his guitar when he would sing, and he told me, he said, when I got saved, my guitar got saved. And he said it wasn't any longer in the bars and the honky-tonks, and it wasn't all of the lifestyle uh, message that I was singing, but he said I wanted to sing to the Lord and give it to him, and, and I was just flooded by memories of that. <laughs> Clarence was still in the kind of shape that 4th of July he would wear his Marine Corps uniform to church. And uh, he would come on Veterans Day and have that same uniform on. And, and uh, that, that was uh, <clears throat> some overwhelming memories. And God just showing me why I'm here and why I need to be at Platte Valley. And, and uh, truly a blessing. And then I kind of put Wes and Laura on the spot and asked if they would sing that. Didn't ask them that till yesterday, so... I asked them to sing that that song because it, it goes right along with the the message that we're going to look at today and uh, continuing our theme, um, 
that we've been looking at the last two or three weeks, and this is our third week, but how, how to be happy in a dysfunctional world. Uh, if you don't think we're dysfunctional, then all you had to do is turn on the news this morning. Those of you that have scanners on your phone, I, I didn't listen to it yesterday, but I knew something bad was going on in El Paso County as I, I saw all the, the people that were listening to that scanner yesterday. And then I wake up this morning and hear that another nine people had died, I believe, in Ohio. And, and uh, we, we truly do live in a dysfunctional world. When you think you're going into Walmart maybe to buy a gallon of milk or, I, I don't know, maybe you're going in there to, to uh, buy some night crawlers and some fishing lures because you're getting ready to go on a camping trip with your family or you're just going in to, 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 you know, getting some everyday things and some nut comes in and, and shoots the place up and, and we are in a dysfunctional world. I, I just, I, I, I couldn't even read the whole article. I, I read of, uh, in, in Atlanta here the last month or so, the, one of the public libraries in Atlanta uh, had, had some, some uh, uh, transgenders come in and, and read stories to the, to the little kids. And then uh, if you would do that on the sidewalk in Morgan County, I would hope you would be arrested for what they did in that library in Atlanta and was condoned. And, and was condoned by the leaders in, in the, the library. And, and our world is a mess. Our world is a mess when, whenever we hear politicians and whatever side, doesn't really matter, they're, they're both uh, have, have lost their way. But, but when, when you hear of the, the vulgar defense of, of the, the abortions and, and uh, killing these, the, the one thing that, that truly is innocent in this world and and uh, being able to kill them, and and be, because they are in a throwaway society today, and 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 we are we're we're in a mess. I mean, our, our world is a mess. Our, our our state is in a mess, and and we think of the the things that are going on in our in our state, and 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 our world is just dysfunctional. And I catch myself even in this sometimes where. All you want is justice. And, and really, when you, when you give thought to, to the idea of justice, you find out maybe really we want to call it justice, but fleshly it's more vengeance than it is justice. And we are, we are a what we would call or I define as a John Wick society. And those of you who don't know who that is, well, you just have to look him up sometime. I'm not going to suggest that you watch him, but... Uh, some Hollywood figure, but this guy goes out and, you know, he's kind of got the mentality that you cross me, then you're going to die. And so the, the, the whole movie are, are is just based on this guy, supposed to be a good guy who just kills everybody that's doing wrong. And, and we're really in a society like that. We're, we're in a society that if you cross me, then we'll just kill you. I, I don't know if anybody else here has noticed, but since they've raised the speed limit to 75 does it not seem like our drivers have gotten even more aggressive as, as we've gotten the speed up where you would think it would calm people down? Finally, you can drive 75. No, now you can drive 80 or 85 or, or 90. And, and 
here you are in the hammer lane and you're already breaking the law and you're doing 80 miles an hour and some guy whips up behind you doing 100 miles an hour wondering why you're in his way. And, and, and we're, we're, we're just in a mad society all the time. And, and you know, I, I had some, some lady the other day come up on the interstate and, and pulled up beside me and, and said some not-so-choice things. And, and I wasn't driving slow. I'm not going to say anything that's incriminating, all right? But, but I'm just saying that, that we're just in a society where, where, you know, I had a lady coming home the other day, and we're at a stoplight, and, and I'm coming through the stoplight, and she pulls in front of me and, and then looks at me like, what are you doing? This is my, you know, it's my right to turn in front of you and then and giving me down the road. And I'm like, man, I'm just sitting here, just minding my own business, you know, trying to be good. I'm in a little ranger. I can't be aggressive anymore. And so, but uh, anyway, I just, I, I don't have to go on with this. You guys know how dysfunctional our world is and, and, and how, you know, sometimes we want to cry out for vengeance and, and we want to cry out for that justice. And we, and we, and we have this, like I said, a John Wick mentality and a John Wick society where you just kill them all and let God sort them out. And, and, and there isn't, you know, and we live in this way. And, and, and then, but then you've got to ask yourself these questions. Have you ever done something in your life where you really need forgiveness? I mean, has there ever been a time in your life when and I'm serious here, and I'm not talking about not as a little kid, you know, hey, I, I, I broke the taillight out of, my, out of my dad's car, and I'm going to get a whooping for it, and, and I'm really sorry for that, but I'm talking about something in your life that has happened, and it has been something so detrimental that you, you look at yourself, and you're really honest with yourself, and you, and you say, Lord, what did I do? What, what did I do? I, I, I mean, I, I, have, I have made a choice, and I have done something here that I'm really looking at and thinking, what have I done? And, and there, there are times where we do that. And when we're in a dysfunctional society, they, they want to either be a John Wick society, and well, there is no forgiveness, and you're, you're done wipe you out, be done with you, you're gone. Or, or there's the other side of the society, well, if it made you feel good, then it's okay, and then move on with your life and, and love yourself for who you are, and, and all will be okay, and, and forget those things. And you know where that leads? That just leads to a point where, where you find out that God has given you a conscience in your mind and in your heart, and, and, and it's going to continue to bother you, and, 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 and you're, you're, you're really going to be crying out for something, and, and, and you're thinking, what have I done? And, and you're trying to fill that void and and you can't fill the void and so you go the world's way and and maybe you go to some psychologist or some psychiatrist or some doctor and, and, and they really, they can't fix you because they're dealing with the physical side of this. It's not their fault. But, and so they start giving you some kind of medication that, that can numb your mind and, and numb your body. And it, and it really is not helping. All it's doing is, is numbing the problem that you have and, and hoping that it can be healed some way. And so they're giving you those or there are those that try to self-medicate 
self-medicate by doing the drugs or doing the alcohol or, or whatever else in, in society they have to give you. There, there are those that will work themselves to death or there are those that will play themselves to death and trying to find the happiness and trying to fill that void and, and trying to get rid of that, that nagging question and, and that nagging thing that's going on in their life. What have I done? What have I done? And, and so we run into those people every day. We run into them when, when you are dealing with road rage with someone, when you, you're dealing with someone that, look, I, I stopped in a little ice cream joint up in Walden. If you're ever in Walden, there's a little pizza shop right on the corner. I don't know about the pizza, but they got some really good ice cream. And, and I know that because I walk in and there were, Three elderly people sitting there on the bench, and this one guy had a cone, and I mean a big glob of ice cream on there, and all they had was a big smile on their face. And, and, the, and the lady, though, that was selling the ice cream, she looks at me, and she says, what do you want? And I said, I want what they got. And she didn't even break a smile. She's like, so she pulls over, gives me a menu. And so I order what I got. So I go back to talking to the happy people, you know? And, and find out, hey, you'd be happy too if you saw that big glob of ice cream that he had. Probably wouldn't be happy the next week because it all, whatever ounces of ice cream, just add that in pounds. You know? And so he's going to have to stretch his belt out. But anyway, talking to him, and then I, you know, and I'm leaving there, and I'm just thinking how sad it is that this lady didn't say a word to me other than that'll be 546. And, 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 and it's typical, though. We run into them every day. We run into people that, that, are, that are living in this dysfunctional world, and they are dysfunctional because they're listening to the world, and they're listening to all the noise that's going on around them, and they're, and, and they're allowing that to, to mess with their minds and their hearts and, 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 and you know, messing up the, the, their whole life and, and how they deal with situations. And believe me, there, there are times where you just need to be still and know that I am God that he's God. Let him, let him be who he is and, and listen to the quietness of his voice and, and, and know that, that there is something out there that, that we live in a dysfunctional world that's full of unforgiveness. We are living in a world that's full of violence and, and only looks for vengeance and, and never looks for any kind of, of forgiveness whatsoever and, and, and calling out for these things. And so how is it, how can we live in such an unforgiving and, and dysfunctional, vengeful world and be happy in it? Well, we can. We can be happy. And, 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 and I love that, that, that God shows us that we can be happy in a dysfunctional world. And, and it comes today by the lesson that we see is the experiencing forgiveness. Oh, how we need to experience forgiveness. Now, First of all, we need to think about what's brought this unhappiness in our lives and, and what happens then. And, and here we are, we're in that situation where, where you're asking yourself, what have I done? What have I done to do this? You know, what, what is this going to do to my family? 
What is this going to do with the, the, everybody around me? What, you know, my whole life is going to be changed by, by these decisions that I have made and, and, and knowing that they're wrong decisions that, that I've done or, or, you know, the other one is, or my spouse has made some bad decisions or whatever, we're all going to have to live with this. And, and then here you are, you're going to find that, that when you're, you're dealing with that kind of guilt, that, that this is what's going to happen. First of all, we see in Psalm 32 that, that when we're living in this kind of guilt, it's going to bring a physical sickness on our life. Look what David says in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 32. He says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. He said, I want you to think about what I'm just telling you here and, and giving thought to this. And now there isn't any certainty of this, but this was probably written some point in time right after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had his own wives. We, we, we know that he already had at least three other wives by this time. He was a king. He had concubines that, that he had also. He had all of these things that, that, that should have been able to satisfy those things that he had going on in his life, and still he chooses to make this decision and commit adultery with Bathsheba. And now he says, because of my sin, I am physically sick because of what's going on. Living with this kind of guilt and living in, in this kind of sin is going to bring a physical sickness. Look, he said, when I kept silence. You know, one of the things that it does when, when we're dealing with this kind of shame and we're dealing with this kind of guilt and, and, and we're not wanting to deal with it, it, it brings about a withdrawal from others. You find yourself pulling away from those that want to help. You, you find that, that you pull away from the one that, that can truly give you the forgiveness that you need in and, and God himself through Jesus Christ and you, you're pulling away from him and so you start self-medicating. You start you know, trying to find the, the doctor that can deal with this problem that you're having and, and all they can deal with are the physical symptoms of this and, and, and here you are, you just continue to, to withdraw from, from those around you. You know something else that's interesting about this? This situation where, where, where it says, when I, when I kept silence, this, this phrase is used in some other places and this word is used in some other places and it's almost always dealing with men. I found that interesting. I don't know that there's any truth to this or not, but maybe ladies are a little more willing to sit down and, and, and discuss it. And let's, let's deal with the issue. Let, let's, let's make sure that we can rectify the problem. Let's resolve it. And, and, and let's, bring the, you know, let's, let's bring some restoration in this or whatever. And men so often are, are the kind that will bottle this up. And what's wrong? There ain't nothing wrong. And so you just move on. And, and, and here we see that it seems like God may be giving some of the guys uh, some, some uh, lessons here also. And, and here David was saying, when, when I kept silence, I, I withdrew from those around that cared and, and obviously wasn't dealing with it with God the way that he needed to. And, and, but then he goes on, he says, not only was he withdrawn, but he didn't have any energy. My bones waxed old. You know, I find that, that uh, as the church has gotten, gotten bigger, I spend a lot more time sitting in that office, and whether it's counseling or whether it's 
uh, reading and preparing and, and getting things ready for the next Sunday or the next service and dealing with, you know, Pastor Wes and I dealing with other issues that come up. And, and, and you know what I find, too? I find that the more, the, the more you sit, that the older you get. And, and you need to get up. You need to move. You need to, to, to move around a little bit. And, and, you're, and, you're, and your bones are, are waxing old. And there's no energy. And you're worn out. And you're wasting away. And, and you feel old. And you, you need to, to get out and move. Remember I told you in that secular study and all how true it is, how, how, how physically we need to get out. And we need to walk every day. Do something every day. Spend some time alone thinking about what God's doing in your life. And working in your garden or mowing your grass or, I don't know, whatever it is, find something to do to, to, to get out and about because here you are when you're dealing with this guilt. The last thing you want to do is talk to anybody and you withdraw and you're keeping silent and then, and then your bones are waxing old and, you're, and you feel like you're old and, you're, and your body it seems like it's getting heavier and heavier. And, and then he goes on and he says, through my roaring all the day long. You know what I find that guilt brings so often? Brings depression. And, you, and, and look, I'm not a psychologist, and don't, don't take this as any of that self-help kind of thing, but I'm telling you here that, that when you start looking at David's life, you can see that he's dealing with much of the issues that we deal with in our lives today. And, and he's saying here that he's saying, I'm, I'm withdrawn from everyone, and, and, and I have no energy, and, and, and there's outbursts of crying I don't know why all these things are, are happening and, and then all these things are out of my control and, and I can't handle the, the, the weight of all these things. And, you, you know, look, we hear of, of suicides every day anymore, it seems. And, and, and we hear of those that we were praying for some young man that, that uh, uh, had, had disappeared for a while and all the family was worried about him. And, and, and uh, we, we hear of these things happening all the time where, where people cannot handle these things. And, and then there's those that have these emotional outbreaks of just the, the guilt and the shame of, of this thing that they've done. Well, David was the same way. And through my roaring and my crying all the day long, Oh, we remember the story quite well of, of Job and how really none of us would want to go through the things that Job went through, but sometimes we do, and we know even from Job's life that God uses it for good, but this is what Job said, verse, chapter 3, verse 24, he says, For my sighing cometh before I eat, oh, even as he as even as I sat down to take nourishment, there's just a heavy sigh in my life. And my roarings, my crying out, are poured out like waters. You see, God, God doesn't condemn us for weeping. God, is, as a matter of fact, Jesus himself wept. He's given us that, motion, that emotion and he's given us that release to to help us with the pressures that, that come. But, but, but here David was saying in Psalm 32 that there were these emotional outbreaks and just 
weeping and crying day and night. And, and Job here is saying that, that I, I sigh before I eat. And then here I am, I'm, I'm weeping and my, my roarings are poured out like waters. And, and then he goes on and he says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. The trouble came. Oh, we see how we're, we're not the only ones in this by ourselves. And, and, and we are living in a world that is guilt-ridden. We're, dealing in, we're living in a world today that has no idea how to handle the guilt and the shame that, that comes. And, and, and look, we are all living in the eyes of a, of a just, holy God who is perfect in every way. And, and praise the Lord that, that my sins are forgiven. And praise the Lord that I can understand a little bit of that. But we are in a dysfunctional world that has no idea what that is about. They have no idea who God is. They have no idea what true forgiveness is about. And here they are dealing with this every day and we run into them all the time. And spiritually, they're decaying. Spiritually, those that are believers and following the way of the world are decaying also. Look at verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. There's conviction in all the world. God's showing the entire world that they need to repent and turn back to Him. But if you're a believer today, and you are living in the shame and guilt of something that you have done, and you have not taken care of that, and you have not confessed that to God, then you, God's hand is heavy upon you today and will continue to get heavier. God is not going to allow His children to live in that kind of sin and continue to live that way without him finally saying enough is enough and you're not going to do it. You can only throw a temper tantrum in the aisles of Walmart for so long before God is going to snatch a knot in your tail. He's just not going to let you do it. That's not who God is. And so we see that here for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. And so there's conviction. We as believers need to deal with that conviction by getting on our knees and going to a holy, just, and forgiving God. The world doesn't have that. We need to show them. We need to tell them about the forgiveness that God gives them. That's how we live in a dysfunctional world. And then we see that our desires die too. He says, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. You know something I learned, Dan taught me this a number of years ago. He said, Pastor, if you, if you uh, plant a young tree, like a maple tree, or, or if, even if you plant some of your fruit trees or what, they, they have sap in them. And he, he told me, he said, when those young trees are, are small like that, you need to insulate them in the winter. You need to put some insulation around them because it will keep the sap from freezing. Because if the sap freezes, it can explode the tree and it'll kill the tree. And your tree will die. I, I didn't know that. I had no idea. But the sap is the life of the tree. Well, that word moisture is a Hebrew word for sap. And so it's, it's the energy that we have in our own lives. It's the sap that's in our lives that, 
that, that gives us the, the desires to go and, and to get up every morning and, and to do what we need to do. Look, he was withdrawn. I mean, you, you look at what was going on. He was withdrawn. He, he felt old. He, he was crying and, and uncontrollably at times. The, God's conviction was on his life. And, and now he said, I just had no energy to do anything. Look, I have known of people to lie in bed for days because of the guilt and the depression. And usually the depression is, is caused by some guilt, which is caused by some sin that you've transgressed against God, and you're not dealing with it the way that God wants you to deal with it, and you need to get it out of your life. And, and if you're in the world, there's only one way that you're ever going to deal with it is go to the God of forgiveness. And those of us who are believers, the same thing. Go to the God of forgiveness and look to Him, because here you're, you're, going, to be, you're going to be zapped of any kind of energy whatsoever. That's what David was saying. I mean, here we have, we have the picture of, of, of so many today. And so, so, so what do we have then? We have people that are searching everywhere trying to, to get the uppers. They get the downers. They do all of this to try to function and go through life. And, 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 and all they're doing is digging themselves further and further and further into a hole, never finding what it is that's going to help them. God does not want you to live that way. He doesn't want any of us to live that way. And so what do we do? Well, we turn to the source of forgiveness. Look what, look what David says in verse 5. And, and in all of this, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to a transparency with God. He already knows what's going on in your life, but he wants to hear it from you. You know, there, there are times where you, you just really need to have that that bare essentials meeting with God where it's just you and God and look, God, I'm not, I'm not holding anything back. This is what I am. And it isn't very pretty. It isn't very good. And there's all kinds of trash in my life and there's all kinds of things that have, that have brought guilt and shame in my life. And Lord, today, I, I am going to do this for I acknowledged my sin unto Thee. Not the word acknowledge means to announce it. You announce it to God. God, this is what's going on in my heart. These are the weaknesses that I have. This is what I've done, and I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to recover because of the choices that I made. Don't be blaming it on anybody else. Don't be, don't be expecting everybody else to carry you. You do what it is that you need to do. You need to be open with God, and you need to announce it to God. Here it is, God. Here's all of my filth and stains, and, and, and here's this thing that, that I am so ashamed of, and, and I don't see how in the world I'm ever going to get out of this situation. I don't know how in the world anything good is ever going to come of this. But God, I am acknowledging it to you. I'm announcing it to you, and, and, and I want to give it to you. And so you acknowledge your sin. You make it known to Him, to God. You need to make it known. But then you also need to be honest with yourself. Because He goes on, He says, Mine iniquity have I not hid. Don't try to hide it from Him. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Now forgive us the iniquity of my sin. Oh, how we need to take it to Him. You know, it's said that Psalm 32, that he wrote that right after or sometime shortly after he wrote Psalm 51. So turn over to Psalm 51, if you would. 
And I want you to see some things here in Psalm 51. So you acknowledge your sin. So if you're going to turn to the source of forgiveness, then acknowledge your sin to Him. And then secondly, be honest to God and be honest to yourself. And that's exactly what we see David do here in Psalm 51. Verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God. You know, I've changed my way of praying. I, I, I heard this from Dr. Comfort, and, and it helped me to change some of the things in the way that I pray. I, I used to try to, first of all, start my prayers by thanking God for everything. You know, name off the things that I'm truly thankful for in my life. However, I realized that, first of all, you know what I need to do? I need to go to Him and confess my sin if there is something. Lord, show me. Show me. Is there sin in my life right now that I need to confess and get right in my heart? Forgive me of those things, and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so that's a daily walk. That that has nothing to impact my salvation. That was dealt at the cross. We'll deal with that another time. But but knowing that every day I I need to wash the dirt off of my shoes. I need to wash the dirt off of my pants. I I need to wash the filth off of what's gone on in my heart and my mind. And I need to start the day right. And I need to make sure that my heart is exactly where it needs to be with God before I do anything else. And then from there, after looking and knowing that His forgiveness is real, and then I go to Him and thankful for those things. And then I go to Him and help, you know, praying for strength and helping me to, 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 have, to do battle in these areas of my life. But here, knowing that calling upon Him, first of all, for His mercy... Well, here we see David doing exactly that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. And he is so good to us every day. Every day we go out and so often we fail him throughout the day and he still loves you. And he still puts up with you. And he shows patience with you. And he guides you. He's so thoughtful. And so it according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, my transgressions. <laughs> I do love that. You know, there, there's something that, that um, you don't have to turn there, I'll just quick, but do you remember I, I used the example of David committing adultery with Bathsheba. David then was confronted by Nathan the prophet And this is what David said. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. But then the next part of that passage, that next, the last part of that verse, this is what he said. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Then we go over here, and he says, According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You ever wondered how many close calls have we had with God? That that brought that to my mind. When when I read this, blot out my transgressions, and then and then I found that verse, and and I just wondered. I mean, David had come to a point in his life where he said, God, what have I done? And Nathan comes to him and he says, David, I want you to know God has forgiven you. 
and he won't kill you. How many times have I come to that point and didn't even know it? That's a scary thought. It truly is. But he dealt with me instead in his loving kindness and his tender mercies. You know what? I want to make sure that I don't get to that point, that I don't do these things anymore like that. And, and so I need to understand how good he is. And, and so I acknowledge my sin. I'm honest to God. I'm, I'm honest to myself. And, and, and this being in verse 2, we see a thorough repentance of what he had done. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So uh, an example of that being washed throughly, I heard this example years ago. And Anyway, I, I snuck off Thursday and went camping by myself. Teresa was gone. She went to the ladies' retreat, and, and I thought, well, I'm either going to have to feed myself and Thane or I can just feed myself. So I said, Thane, stay home. See you, buddy. I'm gone. And so I went to the mountains for the day, camped out, and that, that day got up there nice and peaceful and quiet and got the tent up and all of that and and I didn't walk 75 yards, sit down by a hole, caught some brook trout, brought them back, fried them up in the skillet with a potato and some onions and had a great meal and, and, and did all of this in oil, you know, and it was greasy and good and there wasn't anybody there to judge me. And then I get up the next day and mess around and I finally decide I better eat lunch. And so for lunch, you know what I did? I got in the cooler and I dug out a big old juicy steak. <laughs> And no, I didn't have any vegetables. I did have dairy because I had about a half a stick of butter that I fried that steak in. And there is nothing better than you fry that steak on a cast iron skillet. And, and, but there are some of you that just don't know how to eat a steak. You eat a steak by searing it on the outside, and then it's nice and pink and juicy on the middle, just past where it bleeds. You know, you get rid of the blood, but then, because that's biblical, you got to get rid of the blood, you know? But, but then it's all nice and juicy and pink and almost, almost a dark red, kind of pushing that, and that's when you eat it. But there are some of you that, that make it look like jerky. Because you know what you've done? You've cooked it throughly, all the way through. It's cooked. And I mean, it's tough. Even the bear wouldn't eat it. And so, but that's what, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, God, I don't, I don't, I don't just want a searing on the outside. But I want you to do something on the inside of me. I, I, I want you to wash me throughly. I mean, he was sorry for what he had done. And, and he had gotten to a point where, where he was, what have I done? Not only did he commit adultery, but he committed murder. Not only did he commit murder, but, but he, he sinned. All of this was all against God. And here he was, the king, and killed one of his best soldiers. He said, I, I'm, I want you to wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Lord, you have all right to do with me whatever you want. I'm just being open and honest with you, God. Do whatever, but I ask that you cleanse me of this. Help me to get rid of this in my life. 
We are in a dysfunctional world that does not look for that. We are in a dysfunctional world that wants to pull the John Wick on you and destroy your life and destroy everything about you and burn your house down, burn every memory of you of what you have done and they they want nothing but vengeance upon your life and and here we are as believers and so often we get caught up in this same thought and this same idea and, and here David is showing us that that is not how we live in a dysfunctional world but we can have happiness and the happiness comes by coming to the one that can forgive you and he found the forgiveness and so what do you do you experience forgiveness look what David Back in Psalm 32 and verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mightest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Doesn't matter how deep the waters get. The, 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 the thing that we need to understand, if you are going to experience forgiveness, and in all how deep the waters are, and, and how bad you think things may be, you need to trust what God tells you in his word. And he tells us here that he will uh, forgive us and that doesn't matter how deep things are and how many people might want to reject you, God is not going to, and that you hide under him. And, and he says in verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt come to me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Think about that. God is your hiding place. You want a safe space? There's the place to go. To God. To God with it. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Oh, how not only do we announce our sin to God, and not only do we hide to, to, with God and, and know that He's our hiding place, but then we also know under His wings and under His power, under His authority, under His protection, that we tell others. Experience forgiveness. Come to Him and know that, that you can have your sins forgiven. And he goes on, he says, I will instruct thee, and then verse 9, Be ye not as a horse or as a mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Here again, you, you continue to tell others that are going to listen, and then let God's mercy overwhelm you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. And then verse 11, be happy. Be glad in the Lord. And rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Be happy. So we call on God through his mercy. We have a thorough repentance. We announce it to God. We, we, uh, uh, then we trust what God is going to tell us. And we, uh, even in the floods of great water, knowing that he's always there, no, we can hide under his wings. We announce it to others. We let God's mercies uh, overwhelm us. We are happy. And then in this process then, and, and uh, quickly, we, we go back to Psalm 51. He's writing on this same thing. And here he tells us that it needs to come from the heart. And the heaven shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. This is the process. It all comes from the heart. Uh, and verse 7, it all comes from the blood. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against thee. I am God, even, oh, sorry, <laughs> purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You know, the only thing that can wash you is the blood, is the blood. First of all, you need to come to him open-hearted 
You need to confess that you're a sinner to God and that you need Him as your Savior and you trust Him as your Savior. And He gives you eternal life. And then you as a believer, when you're walking that path and you are, you are living your life and you're walking in the Spirit and things are good and then all of a sudden... You go off into left field, and, and while you're out there in left field, you start living a life that's not what God wants you to live, and then all of a sudden you come to that point where you're like, what have I done? You come back, and you confess it to God, and you get it right with Him, and you understand that He can cleanse you, and then you call out like He did in verse 8, Psalm 51, make me to hear joy and gladness. All he goes on, restore my bones. Give me my energy back. Help me to walk with you. Look to him for joy. Then he goes on, tell others about him in 13 through 15. Then 16 through 19 again, it all comes from the heart. Your happiness doesn't come out there in what you have. Your happiness doesn't come from here in what you're thinking. Your happiness comes from here. A heart that has been forgiven. A heart that has been transformed. A heart that has trusted Christ, not only as Savior, but one who provides for you and gives you a joy of eternity that nothing in this world can take away. And so then you go back to Psalm 32 and look at verses 1 and 2. How are we happy in a dysfunctional world? Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Happy is the man that has experienced forgiveness. Don't live as a believer today in a dysfunctional world, allowing the dysfunctionality of this world affect you and bring you down. But learn to be happy in a dysfunctional world. You know where it comes from? Forgiveness. Forgiveness as an unbeliever coming to him and knowing that he died on that cross for you and that whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved, knowing that the work that he did, his death, his burial, and his resurrection is sufficient for the forgiveness of all the sins of the world, including yours. You come to him and trust him as your Savior. You call upon him and live for him, and you'll see that God is overwhelmingly merciful. Not only does he save you by your faith in him, but then he helps you to live in a way that when you choose to do the wrong thing and you want to get it right, he's always there. And he always forgives you. Always. And so we live in a dysfunctional world and we're forgiven. And I'll end with this. You've experienced forgiveness if you're a believer. Then you know what we have to work on? We have to work on forgiving others. And we need to love them enough to show them 
that forgiveness is always in the hands of God. Trusting in Him, let's experience forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for each one who's here. It wasn't a mistake. You knew exactly who would be here today to hear this message. And Lord, we all need to hear it. We need to know that the depth of your mercy we do not fathom. But I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you that whosoever may come, that they can find you with that humble heart and that humility to realize that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and they come to you and you'll save them. And Father, I thank you that you're not done with us even after we trust you as our Savior, but then you start working in our lives so that we can be like you. And even as you're hanging on that cross in excruciating pain, you cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, you help us to experience that kind of forgiveness. And you help us to be an example of that in the lives of this dysfunctional world. Help us not to become so hard that we forget the payment that was given so that we can experience forgiveness. Help us, Father, to be what you want us to be. Guide us now. Help us, Lord, if there are decisions that we need to make, if someone hasn't made that already sitting there, that they would now. They'd deal with it right now before they leave here today. And Father, when we walk out of here, we can be the example that you want us to be of your forgiveness and your joy. Help us to have that joy in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want